going folks how's it going i'm brother matthew and this is christian coffee time where we sit down together to study the word of god and here we are another weekend it seems that time really flies by and i think i might say that every single weekend now now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> but here we are uh, again finally uh, everything's back up and working again i'm not exactly sure so i know people told me what was going on yesterday but i don't remember it some huge outage over rogers and uh, uh, lines or whatever and the massive uh, problems across canada uh, people without internet and affecting phones all kind of stuff and bank machines everything everything was down and they're scrambling trying to get it all back up and working and so thankfully <laughs> it is back up and working this morning which is great thankfully so now we're able to broadcast and which brings up a, a point that i was thinking about it you know how much we are so dependent upon the internet how we're so dependent upon technology we're so dependent on the videos and the streamings and the broadcasts all this kind of stuff you know what what will what if hypothetically what if something catastrophic happened and it was all gone and uh say, say for like the next 10 years 15 20 years or who knows how long there there's no internet how would you fare spiritually how would you keep yourself going do you actively study and work at like what would you do if suddenly all this was thrown into chaos and you're kind of isolated again you don't have that online family anymore it's all you're all isolated you got to think about these things if our if the strength of our faith is only dependent upon our gathering then we need to rethink ourselves we need to rethink what we're doing so just some thoughts you know and not even just spiritually you know physically what would you do because <laughs> yesterday i'll tell you i was so bored <laughs> i was so bored there was nothing to do there was no youtube there was nothing it's just i'm just sitting in my chair twiddling my thumbs i'm just thinking oh what in the world should i do so i just kind of puttered around did some stuff and <laughs> yeah so it's amazing how much it actually changes your life. It, it gets gets uh, gets you to wondering life before technology, life before technology. What in the world did they do? I guess people were a lot more active outside. They had a lot more stuff that they do. Use their imagination a lot more, and there's a lot more physical gathering together. People would go and actually gather in the in the halls or whatever in the centers and mill around and it, it, I guess yeah technology has really killed our imagination. Technology has really killed a lot of our actual physical gathering together need for physical uh, gathering together. It, it's it's really changed a lot a lot of our lives uh, because really when we think about it without technology how would we live? We need electricity. We need the the uh, the proper plumbing we need everything we need the water and the heat we and how many of us would die to the elements if we lost technology 
So yeah, a lot of our hobbies is based upon that technology. It's it's insane. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Okay. Instagram really has it out for me. Some of you may have seen uh, my post that I put up a while ago. Um, <clears throat> Instagram really hates me. As I mentioned before, uh, they gave me a 90-day restriction. Whatever that means, because I'm still able to post. I'm still able to comment. And I've been trying to figure out, okay, what restrictions? What restrictions? Because I can still message people. I can still comment. I can still post. None of that's changed. And I found it out. I finally found out just the other day what it was that they're doing. For 90 days, they are actively unsubscribing people from my account. I, on, on Instagram, I, I have... How many? Give me a second. I don't even remember well, right now, 9,209 followers. 9,209 followers. And, the, for, and for the past while, since they gave me that, that notice of warning and restriction, they've been actively unsubscribing people from me. And so far, over, over 130 people have been unsubscribed from me. So, yeah. Instagram really hates me and uh, they said because I'm I'm regularly according to the independent fact checkers they said according to the independent fact checkers they say that I've been regularly posting false information really okay what false information because all I post is Bible stuff and news articles well, I guess it's to be the news articles, but literally like public news, I'll just like take a snapshot screenshot of the, of the news article with the, the, the news outlets address and everything. And I just post that. Well, apparently according to independent fact checkers, that has been determined to be false information and I get slapped with warnings and everything. They really don't like me. Uh, so they look at everything. I've been hit with false information regarding uh, posting of Bible verses. I've posted the gospel, and they've slapped that as false information. Uh, Instagram really hates me. The independent fact checkers have it in for me. So I've just since just, you know what, I no longer care. They are so biased, so discriminatory, so hateful, so ignorant, so uneducated. I don't even care about the independent fact checkers or even their labeling me of that. I don't even care anymore. So I'm just posting whatever needs to be posted. I don't even care. So, yeah. So this brings me kind of into a, uh, a discussion I want to have. That something I've noticed the past while the Lord's been talking to me about and I have a little bit of a confession to make it regards ag aggressivity aggressivity I was talking to my dad about this him and I were, were discussing this kind of thing is we, we've both been kind of noticing it and the Lord's really been convicting me hard about it and I'm, I'm a very uh, 
bullheaded individual. I'm very determined. I'm very strong-willed. And I, I'm very outgoing. I'm very outspoken. And I challenge people. I challenge things. I like to see where people stand and stuff, and I challenge them on this. And then I, I can be quite pushy. <laughs> My When I was young, I think I was about five years old. I think I was about five years old. I, I can remember where, just... I can't remember exactly when, five or six. I was standing in my grandmother's kitchen. And my grandmother came and stood in front of me and smiled and looked down and says, when you grow up, you're going to be a bulldozer. <laughs> and yeah, I, I've lived up to that. I've lived up to that. But the Lord's really been kind of talking to me about this. And this brings up a point in Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 49. So if you have your Bibles handy, please turn to Luke chapter 9. We notice a lot, especially these days, a great polarization. Not just in politics or anything, but I'm talking about in regarding to Christianity. A great polarization that you have the the goats on the one side claiming to be Christians and they are just going along with everything that's in the world without asking a question and uh, they they're condoning and tolerating sin and wickedness and everything else that's going on and they're not challenging anything and then on the other side you have uh, the polar opposite of many that call themselves Christians getting very angry, belligerent, arrogant, fighting, bickering, condemning, like very strong. Like, like you see, they're, they're, they're warring. And you see, see the way they talk and behave, and they're very, very aggressive. I was starting to kind of fall into that. Because, I was talking to my dad about this, because... I'm so sick and tired of the wickedness that's going around and, and how everything's going is you kind of get frustrated. You get really upset at the way things are going, at, uh, at the way that it seems that Christianity's going, the world is going, and you want to do something about it. And you start to get aggressive. Well, the Lord kind of tapped me on the shoulder and started talking to me about this. And uh, he brought up this passage here. That this keeps coming up. As well as another passage I talked about before. Where Jesus says to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. And in Luke chapter 9. Starting at verse 49. Starting at verse 49. Luke 9 49. And John answered and said. Master we saw one casting out devils in thy name. And we forbade him, because he falleth not with us. Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Okay, that's the first section I want to look at, and we'll look at the next one just in a moment. So, the, the, so here we see the first bit here. We saw one casting a devil in thy name, but he doesn't follow us. And we, and we rebuked him, we forbade him. What does that sound like? Jesus says, For Jesus said, Forbid him not. 
For he that is not against us is for us. And we see a lot within the realm of Christianity of Christians fighting Christians, infighting and bickering and such over non-salvationary issues, over denominational differences. When we take a look at the word of God, Jesus didn't come preaching denominationalism. He came preaching the gospel and preaching the repentance of sin. If an individual believes in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, by grace through faith to belief alone, he's born again saved. And it doesn't matter what clan stripe he is. Just as long as the gospel is according to scripture. And But we see so many Christians condemning and hating and bickering and fighting other Christians. Jesus says, forbid him not. He that is not against us, he that is not against us, is for us. Now you can discuss doctrinal differences or other uh, differences of other things, but to fight, to be angry, to be to bicker, forbid him not. And then we see in verse 51, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. They did not receive him. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem, and when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and says, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. See, the first bit we see uh, infighting amongst believers. And the second part, we see fighting, warring, hate, aggressiveness between Christians and non-Christians. Ye know not what manner of spirit ye're of. We got to be careful. We got to be careful about getting aggressive, getting... It's not wrong to be bold. It's not wrong to speak up. It's not wrong to challenge. You just got to you got to be careful and maintain temperance. Maintain temperance. Yeah, you can get ticked off. You can be all frustrated and upset with the way things are going, but just remember to keep yourself in check. It, it's insane the the level of wickedness. It's insane the the level of abomination that society is going. But, as was told me, <laughs> you're not Elijah. That really stuck with me. You're not Elijah. You're not Gideon. Now, it's the same spirit, the spirit of God in us that was in them. But we don't see the apostles going around warring we got to be careful the weapons of our warfare are not carnal look what jesus says here about individuals who did not receive him now what kind of people reject and resist jesus today well we see them 
prancing in the streets. We see them running the government. What did Jesus say? Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. If you're hating on them, I have heard, I have seen posts. I have heard so-called professed Christians say they wish these people would go to hell. They would die and go to hell. They, they wish the wrath of God would fall on them. I have heard and seen Christians condemn and curse and hate upon the unsaved. What did Jesus say? Ye know not what spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. It's, uh, it's one thing to disagree and, and to oppose sin. It's another thing to disagree with and oppose the person. As much as we may really dislike certain individuals or whatever, Jesus Christ came to save them too. And I'm sure, I'm quite sure, now this is just my opinion, mind you, I'm quite sure that the Christians in the early church thought and said the same thing about Saul of Tarsus. I'm sure that there were a lot of Christians in the early church who really hated that man and prayed that God would smite him. <laughs> but as much as we may dislike certain individuals who may even wreak havoc in the churches, such an individual can become another Saul of Tarsus becoming Paul. Be careful the attitude. Be careful about letting the flesh get riled up. The flesh wants to fight. The flesh wants to fight. The flesh wants to bicker. The flesh wants war. It's in all of us. We want a war. We want a war physically or spiritually, ment mentally, philosophically or whatever we want a war we want a battle and we want to hash it out but the lord says you know not what spirit you're of it's one thing to debate but what are you debating for to win the argument or the soul it's one thing to discuss it's another thing to dislike be careful we don't hate upon persons Oh, we may hate sin and all this stuff, but don't let that change the manner in which you are presenting the gospel of Christ. If if your hatred of sin and, and, and uh, the differences and stuff would cause you to alter your presentation of the gospel, then you've fallen into an error. It, it's easy to get caught up, and especially the, this, uh, the past several months, it's easy to allow differences and, and things happening in the media to change you. we got to be careful. We need regular reminders from the Lord to watch yourself, watch your words, watch your manners. We represent the kingdom of God. And as Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. The wicked will not understand. They have no understanding. 
that they are uh, they are as animals just reacting in the flesh and they don't see a problem with it they're not going to understand if you go out there and start preaching change and, and preaching morality they're not going to get it that's why you need to preach the cross you need to preach the gospel because only the gospel of jesus christ can change them they're not going to understand anything else we go out there trying to preach reform they're not going to get it we need to preach the gospel of jesus christ our kingdom is not of this world, so our trying to, to reform this world isn't going to happen. It's going to fall on deaf ears. We cannot and will not be able to reform this world. Oh, they're going to put up flags and banners and pictures and parades and everything else and fairs and circuses of all of their sin and abomination. It's not going to change. We become more and more and more and more like Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot couldn't change it. There's nothing he could do. They didn't listen to him, nor did they respect him. They're not going to listen to us. They're not going to respect us. So what do we do? We just keep, keep keep our head down, keep our hands to the plow, and just keep working. Keep preaching. Keep witnessing. We can't reform the world, but we can preach the gospel of Christ and try to see a few souls saved. We can't reform the kingdom of this world and the sooner we get that in our minds the sooner it helps us to be able to deal with it and in the past few days i've been really really keeping that on my mind because as i go outside to go even to the post office there are all kinds of flags and banners and pictures and things and stuff everywhere and the language of the people and the behavior of the people that i go past it's just it makes you sick. It makes you disgusted. But don't you think that's how Jesus felt when he walked the roads of our world? Jesus going from town to town, place to place, person to person. You know, do you not think that's how he felt? How does the Lord God Almighty, how did he feel about it when he stepped from his throne down into the cesspool of earth how do you think he felt but did he go around ripping things down and and, and wrecking up everywhere he went oh what did he flip the tables yeah that was one that was one uh, one thing that he did in the temple because the actual temple they were corrupting and he quoted scripture as to why and he they turned that into a preaching thing but that's a whole separate thing but you're not jesus and i'm not jesus we don't see the apostles doing that we don't see the disciples doing that God had a point. All because God does something doesn't mean necessarily that we can go do that. But again, we have to look at what spirit are we of and why are we doing what we're doing. We were given a, a purpose. He says go and preach. He didn't say go and wreck up the place. There's a part of us that wants to go and tear everything down and, and fight back and, and be rebels and anarchists in this world, but we were not told to do that. My kingdom is not of this world, for if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Then would my servants fight. But it's not of this world, so we don't fight. It says, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but is to be gentle, meek, no striker. Render not evil for evil. Speak evil of no man. Speak evil of no man. That's a hard one. 
that's a real hard one. Honestly, <laughs> for me, that is really hard. But Jesus said it. It's not an option. There are Christians out there, when I, I've been talking about this before and, and bringing this up, you wouldn't believe the, the amount of so-called professed Christians that come back at me and they get all angry and bent out of shape and furious because I would dare say these kinds of things because they want war. They want a civil war and they want a spiritual war and they want a crusade. And they get angry when I quote scripture that Jesus himself literally said, to refute refute what they want. So what are we supposed to do? Just let the world walk over us? Jesus says, if they will not receive you, leave. Walk away. Go somewhere else. Stop talking to them. Go somewhere else. Not stay and bicker and fight and, and, and uh, do shot for shot. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives. to save them we want to save them we want to see souls saved now what manner can we talk to people can we confront people can we challenge people or whatever and everything that we do how can we how can we challenge people in such a way that they would want to hear the gospel of jesus christ god almighty came down into the cesspool of earth and he says follow me in christ likeness so how can we in this cesspool of earth sit down with people that love swimming in the cesspool how can we sit with them in such a way that they'd want to listen to the gospel from us watch your words watch your manners for he that is not against me is for me as jesus says those that are not against me are for me, and those that are against me, forgive them, pray for them, love them, render not evil for evil, turn the other cheek. What did Jesus say? Crusades are not of God. We don't wage crusades. Crusades are for those those individuals who believe that the, their kingdom is of this world. They're trying to bring heaven on earth. There is no heaven on earth. The throne room of God is of a different character and behavior. Heaven, God's home, is of a different attitude. We were told to imitate Christ in all Christ's likeness. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be apt to teach, gentle, patient. But what, what about them if they come and challenge us and they shut down our churches? Then have church somewhere else. What if they try to ban the Bible? And you better start memorizing it. <laughs> There is absolutely no, there's no account in the Gospels, in the covenant under Christ, under the blood of Christ, there's nothing for us to wage war, except spiritually. 
the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That goes for words, too. That goes for behavior, character, attributes. You'll notice when, for me, it was like a breath of fresh air. Is that when I finally came to grips with this uh, a while back there and realized this, I apologize to the Lord. Lord, forgive me for being aggressive and forgetting my place. And it was like a weight that that aggressiveness just went. Now we are to be bold. We're to be bold as a lion, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Be bold and strong and dogmatic in the word of God, but watch how we present it. Watch how we present it. And you'll, you'll notice you, you feel different. You'll feel lighter. You'll feel better. Once we get away from the, the culture war, the culture war, the societal wars, have no part of that. Have no part in that. We cannot reform this world. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can reform the soul. We can't reform society. We're not going to be able to reform society. It doesn't matter who's in the office. It doesn't matter who, who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in the government. It doesn't matter. You can't reform this world. It's doomed. We were told what would happen and it's going to get worse. So we need to come to grips with that and we need to stay focused on what's truly important. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, what's your thoughts on that? What's your thoughts? Okay. Let's go down through the comments. Angel says, I never liked technology all that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are you going down through... All right, so question, Angela says, so what do you think about the Georgia Guidestones being blowed up? They done blowed up. Um, yeah. Um, from what I've read about them, I've never been there. I never saw them with my own eyes. I only saw the pictures and the videos and posts and stuff about them, what people said about them, and, uh, and what the stones actually had inscribed. And there was a lot of new age masonic stuff on there about depopulation world control the new world order all kinds of garbage all kinds of garbage all over them um so what do i think about them blowing up good good yeah that, that kind of garbage uh, should be uh, should be gotten rid of but uh, but uh, that they were torn down and then they brought in excavators and whatever knocked it all down got rid of it good that's what I think. Okay. Okay, Olga says, according to the Bible, can women be presidents or prime ministers? There's nothing in the Bible that I can recall, really, that says they can't. It just comes down to what that governmental body is about. Um, the Bible says women can't be pastors or deacons. Um, 
People, people then will fire up and start start quoting uh, Old Testament about uh, that kind of stuff. But I, does that carry over to the new? It's a question. It comes down to uh, personal opinion. Um, frankly, personally, my opinion, my feelings on it. I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I care about what they're about and what they're presenting. What they're standing for. Um, and I have yet to see or hear of a single political individual that is biblically accurate. Every last one of them is corrupted and will defend and uphold all kinds of corrupted stuff. So uh, uh, for me, frankly, I, I'm done with politics. Um, I want nothing to do with politics. I didn't even vote this last time because I'm so done with it. I dislike politics so much. I want nothing to do with it. I've removed myself from the whole political sphere because it's a bunch of nonsense and lies and corruption and just 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 nonsense. It it, it takes you away from what's important and it and it gets you in that in that road of trying to reform society which can't be done. It won't be done, can't be done, and there's not one single political party uh, that is biblically accurate. They're all liars, uh, they're all wicked, and they all uphold and defend all kinds of uh, sin and abomination, no matter what party they are. It doesn't matter, so my question is, why bother? Why bother? Because we were told what was going to happen, and you really think you can stop it? You really think you can stem the tide? (laughs) Good luck with that. It's like trying to stop a flood with a toothpick. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. Let's go down through. Angela says, What has helped me is seeing the unsaved running straight to hell. It makes me feel sorry for them, not angry at them. There you go. So, what they need, and the only answer, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And the sooner that that, uh, professed Christians can understand that the only thing that will change society is the gospel, the sooner we can understand what we're here for. We're not here to bring uh, bring, uh, uh, a kingdom of God on earth. That's not going to happen. That can't happen. I watched, unfortunately, I watched a movie a while ago, uh, Kingdom of Heaven. I don't know if you've seen that one or the guy, a crusader, goes over to uh, to the Middle East there and he, uh, in Jerusalem and Saladin is coming and they're attacking and all this stuff. And it's called King- Kingdom of Heaven. It's all about them trying to trying to defend and create a, a, a he- heaven on earth, the kingdom of God on earth. And it's just, it was so corrupt. It's so horrible. That's such a horrible, horrible thing, right? All, all through. It's such garbage. It's just... It just kept going through my mind. It's just, it, to them, it's all physical. It's all physical. It's all physical. That that this was given to us for physical reasons. We try to create the buildings and the stones and, and, and that we have all, all, like, wholly physical. It just, they don't get it. They didn't get it. And again, the whole thing was that they were the Catholics warring against the Muslims. Neither of them is correct. But the point is, is so many people, even professed Christians, get physical eyes. 
they see everything as physical we have to have a physical kingdom we have to war physically we have to fight back physically we have to reform physically it's not going to happen how can you reform the flesh the monks have been trying to do that for thousands of years with their monasteries and they're not even one step closer you can't reform the flesh denominations have been trying to do that with their legalism and pharisaism you can't reform the flesh you can't reform the physical it's not about the physical it's about the spiritual the kingdom of god is spiritual the kingdom of god is within you jesus says it's the inner man it's not about swords it's about the sword and it's not about conquering it's about the victory of christ it's not about our crosses it's about the only cross and the sooner we remove ourselves from society the sooner we understand this this the sooner we stop trying physically let go let go let the heathen rage let the people imagine a vain thing the kings of the earth gather themselves together against the lord and against the lord's anointed and say let us cast off their bands asunder from us he who sits in the heavens shall laugh and he will cause them to be in derision the lord fights not us we speak the lord fights the lord wages the war the lord is the one that takes vengeance not us vengeance is mine saith the lord i will repay not us we are not elijah but as we see with elijah though what did he do he called upon the lord the lord brought down the fire not elijah should we call down fire the Lord is also correcting them. You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. Elijah didn't call down the fire. The Lord brought the fire. Elijah just called on the Lord. Now, what manner, what manner are, are we presenting ourselves to society? Are we being the kind of Christian that when people look at us, they see Jesus Christ? Or do they see a crusade, a personal crusade? personal crusades are wrong we are not meant to war and fight we're not meant to curse and spit and kick and everything else we are meant to preach christ and crucified buried risen again we are here to bring the lost to christ and we can't do that by trying to reform society we can't do that by trying to reform the flesh we we have to go at it spiritually spiritually so the sooner we let go physically and start grasping on spiritually we'll start grasping souls instead of trying to grasp flesh so just something to think about this these are things that just the lord's been showing me i've been kind of mulling over a lot recently because things are getting worse it's it, it's it's shocking that's that's the problem it's so much so fast 
that you can barely keep up with it and it's 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 so overwhelming just the stuff that's going on in the news and everywhere else and politics and society it's just it's absolute insanity out there and the lord's been showing me more and more lately let go just ignore it we were told this would happen just do what you're supposed to do ignore it Keep your eyes to the plow. Keep your hands to the plow. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. Keep preaching Christ. The heathen will rage. The pagans got a pagan. The pagans have got a pagan. Let them keep preaching Christ. There you go. Okay, let's go down through. Hey, Angela says, have you ever been to the Holy Land? <laughs> well, it ain't holy, but uh, no, I have never, I've never been there. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to. It, 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 it'd be so exciting just, just to go there. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, it's always been one of my, uh, uh, one of the things on my bucket list, <laughs> but uh but then you look at it, yeah, it'd be so cool to, to go there. But it's nothing like it actually was in the time of Jesus. It's been completely changed. Uh, uh, the, the pagans have destroyed everything. The Catholics have destroyed everything. Uh, the, it, nothing is, this, is the same. Nothing is as it was. Uh, Jerusalem in the time of Jesus has been buried and built back over again. Um, but still, to, to go there, it, it'd be really, really awesome. Uh, personally, I would love to go to uh, go to Sinai, go uh, go over to that mountain there, and and check out all this stuff. Apparently, they still have people showing videos and pictures, of everything of the inscriptions and the carvings of everything dating back to to the time of Moses. That that'd be really cool. Um, yeah, it's it'd be really neat. But no, I haven't I haven't actually been there. Uh, okay, uh, and similarly, uh, Purely says, I saw they made a shop out of Jesus' tomb. <laughs> yeah. If that is even Jesus' tomb, which I highly doubt, um, because that the Catholics have claimed everything as being whatever. Um, apparently they even built a special, a special shrine, Catholic shrine thing in a spot way up in the hills where they say this is where they cut down the tree for Jesus' cross. So they built a little shrine. Yeah, they've dotted the landscape, all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do. All of Jerusalem is ruined. All of Jerusalem has been destroyed. So, Yeah. Yeah. And that the the cult that makes merchandise of men's souls, what makes you think they're not going to make merchandise of of the so-called tomb of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, question purely says, what do you think about quoting verses such as Mark sixteen? Let's go to Mark sixteen. <laughs> and nine to twenty.
Okay, so let's, what do you think about us quoting verses such as Mark 16, 9 to 20, since we've, we've told they're not in the earliest manuscripts? Oh, oh, that, that's just a bunch of nonsense. That's lies. Um, yes, it's in the, it's in the original manuscripts that, that, that is entirely a bunch of, of nonsense propaganda from the cults. Those who deny the scriptures, people say that the, the Bible is corrupted and there's lost texts, lost verses, lost pages, lost manuscripts, all this kind of people are ripping up the Bible. Those people who do not believe in the, in the actual absolute authority of the word of God. Uh, they looked all kinds of other stuff. Do not listen to those kinds of scholars, those kinds of people who say that bunch of stuff. They don't believe in the in the uh, authenticity of the scripture. They do not believe in the preservation of the word of God, uh, where they call God a liar and they challenge the veracity of God. Yes, this passage is included in the original manuscripts because we have it in our hands. If it w if it was not meant to be, it would not be there. Uh, and we can, uh, as we see that in the English Bible, the English was translated from the original Greek and Hebrew manuscripts, which we still have. And it, this is a this is a direct translation from the Hebrew and Greek into English. Uh, those people are using different texts, different manuscripts. Uh, they, there's the majority text manuscripts, and then there's the minority text manuscripts. In the minority text manuscripts, there's there's all kinds of omitted things, changed things, lost stuff, and they make Bible versions off of the minority. But the majority, which which like I use and many many people here use, is uh, the majority text manuscripts is based on the original Greek and Hebrew. So yes, it is It is here, it is included, this is actual scripture, people say it's not, are woefully deceived. So yeah. Um, uh, you seem a bit pessimistic, no not pessimistic, more realistic. As we see with society and the way things are going, uh, that we have to, we have to pull back pull back ourselves we have to understand we have to understand that we are here for a purpose one purpose only we're not here to reform society we're not here to bring a, a kingdom of god on earth uh, we cannot change the governments we cannot change the education system we can't do that uh, others will try and they will not succeed because we were told what's going to happen and we see it in front of our eyes the changes just as god said we're here for a purpose and that is to preach christ we got to be careful in the manner in which we're doing it and it's not pessimism it's realism that realistically this is what it's about this is what we're here for jesus go preach the gospel and we see the example that the apostles left us how they went about it they didn't pull swords and placards and pickets and 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 scream at and war and curse out and said hedron or whatever else they didn't go down and hunt down and try to beat down Saul of Tarsus. that no we see in prayer in faith in devotion in study there's a there's a proper manner and proper heart attitude and we got to be very careful that we don't corrupt ours because our testimony is sacred and if we ruin our testimony to the world, how we present ourselves to the world, no one will listen to us anymore. We got to protect our testimony as in being disciples of Christ. 
If we ruin our testimony with the unsaved, they're not going to listen to us. We got to be very careful because who we represent is what it's all about. So yeah. Um. August is it we can delay God's wrath though? Here's a question. Let me call you on that one. Okay. Uh, you said we can de delay God's wrath. How? There is a way. We see a picture uh, left us in um, in the book of Jonah. Story of Jonah. That uh, Jonah was called of God to uh, to go to Nineveh to tell them that God is going to bring judgment on them. And we see Jonah didn't want to go and all this stuff. And we see, see his, him uh, uh, thinking physically. Jonah's thinking physically. And we see he wasn't thinking spiritually. Jonah wanted them to be destroyed. God wanted to save them. God is not willing that any should perish. Even the wicked Ninevites. God did not want to destroy Egypt. He wanted them to repent. God does not want to wage war. He wants people to repent. So finally, Jonah finally went and he preached and he preached uh, the, the message from the Lord. He told them they need to repent. He told them about the judgment of God. And what did Nineveh do? Repented. And God forgave them. So we see this the, the reform and delaying the wrath of God comes through revival, spiritual revival, not physical revival, spiritual revival. For when there's a revival of the heart and people believe on the Lord, repent of their sins and believe on the Lord, it changes the outward. The outward is changed by the inward. That when Jesus Christ is preached and believed and believed upon, then we see revival. Then we see the delaying of the of the hand of judgment through spiritual revival, not physical reform. Spiritual revival. So yeah. Um, revenge is the Lord by witnessing. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, purely says, can you summarize the great falling away and the great harvest? Um, yeah, um, now the great falling away is seen by many in different ways. They see a great falling away by what's happening with the churches. They see a great falling away by society itself, nations themselves, falling away from God, all this kind of thing. But we also see a great falling away even on a personal level with uh, with Christians, as we see a cooling off, an apathy, a disregard. So could it be talking about the unsaved or the saved or, or just or everything as a whole? Personally, I see it as everything as a whole. Just everything is falling away from the Lord. Christians and non-Christians alike, are, 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 are things are just getting so much worse. We see it. We see it by the numbers of... Of so-called professed Christians uh, being active and taking the faith seriously. It's very rare to find a Christian now who's actually on fire and taking the faith seriously. It's a hard thing to find. 
Um, people are more uh, are more fighting and bickering about their clans, societal, or uh, uh, in churches with denominations or politics or whatever. It's just we see clan wars everywhere about everything, and people are losing sight of what's truly important. The great falling away is, as we see, there shall come a great falling away first. Now, we do see in, uh, as uh, as nations and politics and all this, and society getting worse, 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 and the church is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Uh, the great falling away into great sin and abomination to the point where, where the man of sin is finally revealed. The man of sin is revealed. That's the Antichrist, he rises up. And when we... Uh, Take a look in, in scripture, uh, what's going to happen and what leads up to this. If you want to know more about this in detail, check out our, our playlist series on the book of Revelation. We got a lot of info there. Uh, great study done by uh, Pastor Paul. Please make sure you check that out. Um, and uh, the great harvest, uh, I believe what you're referring to, this is... Uh, uh, well, many, many, many call the, the the great harvest. This is where the rapture, the gathering of the saints. Well, the, the rapture is not true. The rapture doesn't have, actually. The Bible does teach that there is a rapture, and those who deny a rapture don't know what they're talking about. Um, like Doreen Virtue, for example, doesn't believe in an actual uh, rapture uh, gathering of the saints. She, she's also an amillennialist. She doesn't believe that the actual physical reign of Jesus and the thousand year reign of Christ is actually literal. That's actually going to happen. She doesn't believe that'll happen. Um, there are many people out there who believe in all kinds of weird things, but the Bible says, but the Bible says the gathering of the rapture of the great harvest. And, and uh, we see in uh, Revelation, I forget which chapter talks about it, it sees a great sea of people. There's tons of people. And these are the saints that came out of tribulation. Uh, it's a great harvest where the Lord calls all up. Uh, when does this occur? Uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib's not true. We see pre-wrath is what it's taught in the Bible. We're not taken out before all this happens, like pre-trib says. We're not taken out halfway through. It's partway in. Mid is almost, but not quite. Uh, post is just nonsense. Um, we're, we're taken out. It says the man of sin is revealed. And this is where the, te the third temple is built. And he calls up God. The sun is dark and the moon is turned to blood. I haven't seen that yet. The sun hasn't been dark and the moon's not turned to blood yet. And the stars haven't fallen from heaven yet. When does that happen? When the man of sin is revealed and all this occurs, then we're taken out. Um, not before, not after. Um, but yeah, that's what the Bible teaches there. Uh, let's go down through. Uh, Jacqueline says, question, what are your thoughts on rewards in heaven? I think you spoke on it before. I just can't recall. Yeah, it talks about uh, at the end, at the end where we're, uh, where we're brought up as is after those whose names are not found written, they're dealt with and all this. And then we are brought up and we uh, give answer to the Lord of how we cared for the things of Christ. We are not judged for our sins, as some people think. Our sins have already been dealt with on the cross. Uh, but rather, what we give an account of how we care for our master's business. And uh, and this is where the rewards, where the Lord rewards our, um, our care. And uh, for how you witnessed, how you spoke up, and how you served the Lord, in whatever manner you served the Lord. And it talks about there's different rewards, uh, uh, different levels of rewards and kind of things. Um, 
Now, yes, we are given things, but it talks about how we are given this, but we'll be casting it back to the feet of Christ because we're on, we are not worthy of it. He is worthy. Uh, we'll be giving our rewards back to him. The crowns and whatnot uh, will be given back to him. Uh, as, uh, that's what scripture talks about. Now, some people try to try to turn it kind of like a metaphor or whatever. No, that talks about the actual rewards and actually be a thing. Um... Olga says, to be honest, I don't really get the millennial reign either. Please don't be mad at me. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, anyway, kind of thing. People believe all kinds of different th things. Uh, he, there's no point getting mad at them or whatever. People believe differently. That's that's their that's their choice. Uh, you want to believe the earth is flat, for example. I frankly don't care. I, I might find that kind of funny, but I, I honestly don't care. That all, all I care about is we get the gospel correct. We can have differences, all kinds of things, but it's also in how we, how we present it. People want to get all bickering and belligerent about this, whatever. I, I don't want to even talk to those individuals. Uh, but we have differences. We can have differences. It's just in how we present it to each other. Um, now, as for the millennial reign, how that works, as it as it teaches in Scripture. And again, if you want to know more, please check out our series on uh, the Book of Revelation that Pastor Paul he walks you through all of that in great detail. Um, but uh, to kind of summarize, again, to summarize, uh, that we see the tribulation period. And then at the end of the tribulation, Christ comes again. We see the second uh, second coming and then the second arrival. This is what's called the second arrival where Christ actually comes down. It says he descends down on the Mount of Olives and, and uh, the Mount splits when he uh, lands on, on the Mount. It comes down and he walks into Jerusalem. And this is where he, he uh, then gives authority to an angel who comes down with a chain who, who binds Satan and casts him in the bottomless pit for the thousand years. And this is where Christ then reigns on the earth physically for a thousand years. There's the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. What it says. It says this is what's going to happen. After this, uh, that uh, the Lord, the Lord comes down and then he gets rid of the uh, stops the Antichrist. All this uh, he uh, binds Lucifer for a thousand years in the bottomless pit, and uh, then we see the thousand year reign of Christ. And we are uh, will be here on earth uh, in Jerusalem with him for the thousand years. That's what it says. And then after the thousand years, and we see the fi the final uh, the final deal is where he uh, lets Lucifer out who then goes and brings all the armies of the earth to try to fight back against. And that's where the Lord destroys it all, all the wicked. And then we see see him bring us all up to the great white throne. He judges the earth. He burns it with fire, complete consumes. We see the, judge, the judgment seat of Christ. Then he makes a new heaven and new earth. That's what it says. Uh, many people say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's real. But the Bible flat out says it. The Bible flat out says he will descend unto the mount the mount will split, walks into the city, he binds the devil, throws him in the bottomless pit, and he reigns on earth. That's what it says. It says that he, it talks about the, the, the reign of Christ during this time. So, it, it, people want to choose to believe that or don't believe it, that's up to them. That's between them and the Lord. But, uh, I'm just saying, look, it's what it says. Again, if you would like to know more in great, greater detail about these kinds of things, please watch our series on the book of Revelation. But that's what it says.
It's what it says. So can we deny what it says? No. Can we, do, can we say, well, that's just all metaphor? No. What does it say? If it talks about it in a physical, literal sense, that he comes down and this happens, this happens, this happens, that's, that's not metaphor, that's literal. It's what it says. So, there you go. Okay. Angela says, is it correct to say that God keeps Christians on earth as long as they have a purpose? Once your purpose is done, does God take you to heaven? <laughs> um, well, how to, how to word that one? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, our purpose, really, when it comes down to it, is kind of a, a twofold: uh, to be a witness of Christ and to glorify God. When would we'd be? When would we ever be done glorifying God? When would we ever be done witnessing of Christ? Well, we'd continue that as long as we breathe. So it's appointed to men once to die. Appointed. So there is a time appointed. Uh, we don't know when our time is coming. Uh, but the thing is, we stay faithful. It, it's not quite as cookie cutter, like, for example, like how the Calvinists try to cookie cut everything and categorize everything. It's it, it, as the Bible says, if any man thinks he knows and knows that knoweth anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Um, I have no idea really in the great details uh, of of that kind of thing. All I know is that while I live, I'm going to glorify God and witness of Christ. My purpose is to do that. Uh, when is a Christian's, when is this purpose for a Christian ever done? Well, it says, say you live for a thousand years. We'd be doing the same thing. So this is why we don't really think ahead in that way. As the Bible says, as uh, to take no thought of the morrow. Don't think about your death or, you know, when you're going to die, or how long you're going to live. Don't even worry about that. If you live for a day or a thousand years, it to us, it should be ir irrelevant. It doesn't matter. If I live for a day or a thousand years, it doesn't matter. I'm going to serve the Lord regardless. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I hope that answers that sufficiently. Uh, if not, let me know. Okay, so... There's one thing I've been kind of wanting to talk about for a bit. Look at the time here. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's been coming up more and more i've been seeing a lot of people talking about asking questions about uh you know i'm 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 troubled with by the enemy and the devils are doing this and they're saying this to me and i need deliverance i need deliverance i need deliverance okay let's talk about biblical deliverance ministries just for a moment i know we've gone over this in different ways but uh, i just want to look at this one a bit more um here he says i just finished the book of john playlist it makes all the difference slowly such a good job. thank you for that amen praise the lord yeah i love the gospel of john it's it's my favorite book of the bible honestly um okay so biblical deliverance what is it the devils are doing this devils are doing this devils are doing this um okay the first thing we need to understand when it comes to this as the lord says in his word greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world 
Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We see a common problem, and I do agree, as as, uh, as some individuals said this uh, a while ago, a short while ago, about how how certain Christians can get quite overly focused on what the demonic is doing, what the demonic is saying, what the enemy is saying, what the enemy is doing, how what they're showing and how they're manifesting, all this, and the ways of the enemy. We get quite taken up with the things that the enemy is doing. Well, whether it be by temptations and troubles and uh, by uh, manifestations or whatever else is going on, demonic activity. We get so taken up with, with chasing the demonic that we forget what the Bible actually says. I have seen, heard, read, been sent tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of material uh, from people uh, regarding different different deliverance ministries and deliverance things and stories and deliverance stories and all this kind of stuff. And there's so much nonsense out there. It's not funny. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, biblical deliverance. Okay, there, there's two parts to it. There's a first form. The first form of deliverance is deliverance from the condemnation of sin. Okay? The deliverance from the condemnation of sin. Deliverance from the wrath of God. And this comes by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by being born again saved. That when we see our sin, we see who we are and, and what we are, we see what, what Christ has done and who he is and what, and what he's given to us, what he's offering us, and we, re- we, we repent and believe the gospel. We are born again saved. We are delivered from the condemnation of sin. And we are delivered into the hand of God, into the family of God. And our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we are delivered from the judgment. The second part is deliverance from the temptation of the enemy. The trials and the troubles and things of the enemy. Now, this deliverance... This second form of deliverance can only occur if the first deliverance has taken place. Once we're born again saved, it is massively different than what a lot of people would try to emphasize. The devils are limited in what they can do to a Christian. For example, a born again Christian cannot be demonically possessed. They can severely oppress they can't possess. There's a big difference between oppression and possession. Oppression is afflicting, uh, like throwing rocks at a house kind of thing. You're you attacking the thing. Possessing is actually taking ownership and control. For a born-again Christian, the devils can't possess you. They can't own you. You're owned by God. And God does not share the same space as space as devils. You can't be possessed. You are already possessed by the Spirit of God, as the scriptures teach. But you can be oppressed. They They can put in intrusive thoughts and suggestions, and they can hinder you and oppose you in many ways, but they they can't possess you. Now, 
Understanding who and what we are in Christ will also really help us in understanding proper biblical deliverance. Now, for example, this is why the Bible talks about us taking our time and moderation and studying and researching, paying attention, asking questions, and testing everything by the Word of God, testing the spirits of things by the Word of God. Uh, we, uh, we've got to take everything to the Lord in prayer and to, to not be swift and laying hands on any man suddenly, as the Bible says, because we need to know what's actually going on. For example, if a person uh, saying or believing that they are demonically possessed, then that means they're not saved. If you're possessed, you're not saved. Now, how they react to the gospel, how they react to things. There's so, uh, there's so many different ways to test and see. I don't want to get into that right now. But about biblical deliverance. Now, how to be free from the from what the enemy is doing to you? Taking the faith seriously. Taking the faith seriously. Um, when they are uh, uh, troubling your mind or even manifesting the room or whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. You say, well, the devils are telling me they're doing this. Stop paying attention to what the devils are doing. Stop paying attention to what the devils are doing. It doesn't matter. Well, why are they saying that? Why are they doing this? They don't have a reason. They just do. And they will do and say anything. They'll, they'll react and manifest in any way to try to hinder and trouble you. They have no reason. They don't need a reason. There's, well, why did they look like this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they appear to you as a hound of hell or like a pickle. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they're telling you. It doesn't matter what they're showing you. They're liars. There's no truth in them. <laughs> so stop paying attention to what the devils are doing. Stop paying attention to what they're saying, to what they're showing, to how you see them or what you're sensing. Stop paying attention to the ways of the enemy. Biblical deliverance occurs when you stop paying attention to the enemy. Go pray. Sit down, call upon the Lord, examine yourself to make sure make sure that it's not uh, something of you or whatever. Get yourself close to the Lord, call upon the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, and ignore the devils. Ignore the heathen. Ignore the pagan. Ignore society. Ignore the devils. Preach Christ. That's biblical deliverance. As we believe Christ, and then we preach Christ. We believe Christ to be to be delivered from the wrath of God, and then we preach Christ to be delivered from the ways of society, the uh, sins of the world, and the enemy. It's as simple as that. Really is simple as that. You don't need to go to these big ministries and have them do all kinds of rituals or whatever. You don't need the oil and the water and the and the the big showmanship. You don't need to be bashed over the head by some guy with their Bible on the on the on the stage or whatever. It's just preach Christ, believe Christ, preach Christ, glorify Christ, magnify Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. That when you sit down, grab your Bible, start magnifying the Lord, all the devils run. It doesn't matter what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're showing. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Do it doesn't matter. Well, my dreams, 
are irrelevant. The visions are irrelevant. What, what they're doing, it's irrelevant. Sit down. Ignore the enemy. Magnify Jesus Christ. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. It happened to me um, last week. I believe it was last week. I think it was last week. Or earlier this past week. I can't remember. I, all, all the days are blurred to me now. Um, I had a, a terrible day. Terrible, 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 terrible day. Um, actually, yeah, I think it was earlier this past week. And uh, it was from the moment I woke up. Woke up in the morning and I was just, I felt off. I, my brain was just thick fog. I couldn't think. It was just terrible. Um, and something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it. Something was wrong. And it wasn't, wasn't long after I got up as I started noticing an awful lot of demonic activity. Uh, seeing things, hearing things. Uh, it was just, it was getting worse and worse. And as the day progressed, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and it was just, I started to feel like I was actually going crazy. Uh, I was starting to have anxiety attacks, panic attacks. It was getting worse and worse. I was praying about it, and uh, I just and I was trying to push back, fight back, and it just nothing was working. It was getting worse and worse and worse. And my wife came home from work and uh, uh, noticed something was wrong. I was telling her what was what's been happening, and that's when I started to see really crazy stuff was going on. The enemy started manifesting like crazy. And so my wife and I went and, and just, I'm like, I, I can't handle this anymore. I, we, we need to go pray. I need you to pray. Uh, and so we, we both sat down and we both prayed, grabbed, uh, uh, grabbed our Bible, we read scripture out loud. And it's just, just like that, gone. I, it, I didn't need holy oil or crosses or priests or rituals or anything. And uh, but the enemy was messing with my mind, was was even making me kind of forget what I actually needed to do. They are able to cloud our minds through uh, heaviness, the spirit of heaviness, uh, spirit of confusion. They can do that to oppress. I wasn't possessed. I was oppressed. They were in my home. They were affecting my mind, and my emotions, and everything. But when uh, the Bible talks about where uh, uh, two or three are gathered together, am I in the midst of them? But uh, but praying together, but being the saints, some sometimes we need others to pray with us. We're not told to be an army of one. We're not an army of one. We're, we gather together, the, the gathering of the saints together. People think that they can serve the Lord all by themselves and they don't need to go to church. Those people are, de are deceived, crazily deceived. They don't know what they're talking about. That's why we need each other. And you don't even have to be physically, you know, whatever, like even to call up your friend, to text your friend or email your friend, ask them to pray for you and you pray together. That The prayer doesn't matter in distance. Distance doesn't affect prayers. But the point is, sometimes we need the prayers of the saints to help us to pray with us and over us. And, uh, 
and how as soon as we started praising the Lord in, in prayer and reading scripture out loud, the enemy just ran. And my mind immediately cleared up. Immediately cleared up. And all the confusion was gone. The anxiety attacks were gone. All of this. And, and I was just, I felt relieved. There was just a, a severe attack that, that one day. So well, what did they do? That doesn't matter. But what did they show you? That, that's irrelevant. We are not to pay attention to the ways of the enemy. It doesn't matter what they say, what they look like, what they've done, what they've shown. They're, they are nothing but demonic liars, pathological liars and manipulators. And everything they say and do is a lie. Ignore it. Ignore it. Ignore it. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Don't pay attention. You pay attention rather to the power of God. You pay attention to what Jesus Christ has done. You pay attention to how he has delivered. How he gave you victory over it. How he defeated them. How, how the mayor uh, praying in his name caused them to flee. We, we pay attention to Jesus Christ. We don't pay attention to the wicked, the pagan, the heathen, the demonic, the dark. We ignore the dark. We ignore the dark. We pay attention to the light, the light of Christ. So many Christians get caught up in this and, and talking about, reading about, writing about, uh, making videos about, watching videos about the ways of the demonic, what the demons do, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, sure, they are real. They're powerful. This is how they operate, but it's irrelevant to us. You ignore that. Like like Paul the Apostle, and he was witnessing, and the girl, the spirit of divination, started following them, and she starts going on and on and on and on. And finally, Paul, grieved in himself, just turns and rebukes it. Be silent and come out of her. That was all he said to it. That's all he did. And he completely ignored it. And he preached Christ. When they do pop up, you rebuke them in the name of the Lord and move on. Don't pay attention to them. And if it seems to be really heavy and having a lot of problems, then seek out the counsel of the saints and then pray over you, pray with you, and, and praise Christ with you. And that, that's how it's done. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, in society, politically, governmentally. It is, uh, so much stuff going on to distract us. We lose focus of what's truly important. And it even affects our very doctrines and our very worship. It affects even how we carry the faith. People want something to do. And they kind of fill this in with whatever's coming along. And then they kind of tack in the faith like an afterthought. Like an afterthought. And like, oh, yeah, and, and this. That, that's important, too. That should be our first priority. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is our first priority. Everything else is an afterthought. How can I preach Christ and serve Christ socially, politically, and everything else? It's not the other way around. It's not how can we bring Christ into these things, but rather you serve Christ and when you come across these things, your serving Christ is your priority in those. 
there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of hindrances. There's a lot of things to try to move us away from what's truly important. But it comes down to what does it say? What does the word of God say? The devils want uh, want to distract us from this. They want to try to change this. They want... Science and technology is irrelevant. What does the Bible say? What It doesn't matter what the scholars say. It matters what the Bible flat out says. If it says it, that's what it is. Other people will try to change it. Like, see, people trying to deny uh, the uh, the creation account. They try to deny the creation account. We're bringing in, well, because science and, and archaeology and testing and all this stuff has, has proven evolution. No, no, it hasn't proven anything. The Bible says this is how it happened. Science can take a hike if it if it contradicts what the Word of God says. Jesus said this is how we are to present ourselves to the world. Jesus says this is how we are to handle our enemies. It doesn't matter what the philosophers and the psychologists say. It doesn't matter what the talk shows say. It doesn't matter what Joe Blow down the street says. It doesn't matter what, what the guy in the pulpit says as so much as it matters what Jesus says in the Gospels. It doesn't matter who they are. If they contradict what this says, they're wrong. It doesn't matter what the governments say. It doesn't matter what the governments do. Yes, the Bible says obey the laws of the land, but it also, but also teaches that if the laws of the land contradict the word of God, you obey the word of God. The word of God supersedes the government. That doesn't mean we fight the government, we fight everyone else. That, man, that means we serve the Lord, we preach Christ, and if these people don't like it, leave. Not war with them, not fight them or any of that kind of thing. Leave. Go somewhere else where it is accepted. And if you can't find where it's accepted, stay with the saints and just serve, serve the Lord, worship Christ. Even in regards to the end of days, where everything is the mark of the beast. <laughs> 3G, 4G, 5G, 6G, whatever. G, it's the mark of the beast. Or masks are the mark of the beast. Seatbelts are the mark of the beast. Debit cards with the microchips, the mark of the beast. Everything's the mark of the beast. Needles are the mark of the beast. No, needles are not the mark of the beast. It doesn't matter what other people are saying, what they're freaking out about. It doesn't matter. It matters what the Bible says. What does it say? It says it's his name or the number of his name on your right hand or forehead. Are, are they giving you vaccines in your forehead or in the back of your right hand? And are, are they taking the vaccine needle and like jabbing it into like a sigil symbol on your hand or in your forehead? No, it's stupid. It's not a vaccine. It doesn't matter what other people say. They come with all kinds of argue, arguments and stuff to try to... But the Bible says, and your opinion is irrelevant, the Bible says. Now, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form uh, something to try to condone whatever I look. I'm saying is the Bible says this is what it is and this is what it's not. So you see what's truly important. What's truly important is to keep the faith. Just the Lord says, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Not, not society and other things, is how can we keep the faith? How can we hold on to the faith if our hands are full of something else? This is why the Lord says, forsake all. Forsake all. 
that's yourself dying to self and society and everything else forsake it all as all of it is not as important as this if you want to serve the lord you have to serve the lord with empty hands your eyes need to be on christ and nothing else our opinions and feelings about everything else is irrelevant what society is doing is irrelevant well they're trying to take away our rights and trying to change the constitution let them let the heathen rage this is their heaven on earth this is the closest they're getting to heaven and this is the closest we're getting to hell we're here for a purpose to preach christ preach the kingdom of god not preach societal reform we're here to keep the faith not try to change the faith with society it's the same faith as it's always been and a meekness instructing those that oppose themselves what does the word of god say everyone else's opinion is irrelevant what does the word of god say show me from the word of god how i'm wrong or how i'm right we challenge each other with the word of god we spend hours and hours watching stupid videos about the corruption of the world and everything else that's going on and conspiracy theories and everything else going on but do we spend as much time just reading the bible itself studying scripture itself without outside interference something else trying to interpret it for us but so many christians treat it that way where they allow the quotation marks priests of the world to tell us what's actually going on what's truly important like the catholic priests trying to tell the people in the pews what the bible actually says and they're corrupting it and changing it and everything else this we're allowing the priests of the news media to tell us what's actually going on and what we should actually do how we should feel about it but what did our high priest tell us our lord jesus christ what does the word of god say this is how we're supposed to this is how we're supposed to react this is how we're supposed to think this is how we're supposed to behave this is how we're supposed to preach this is really what is going on sure absolutely the world's getting wicked society's insane they've lost their minds this is what happens when open public society is the asylum now there is no actual asylum when we shut down the asylums what do you think is going to (laughs) happen just just the thought just say it look what happens to society what does the word of god say demonic activity has just gone off the charts sure the government's all crazy and gone wicked absolutely show me when when it when that has never actually been the case well back in the times of puritans oh really you want to pull that card you really want to go see what they were about they were insane the puritans were insane you ever heard of salem you ever hear what they were all about hyper super legalistic pharisee law keepers that's what they were look what they did they were nuts not to mention all the wars and everything and and, uh, and the whole native wars and all this stuff that just it's always been insane society has always been insane sin has always abounded devils have always been around we were told it's just going to get worse in the end of days as in the days of noah so it shall be in the coming of the son of man so how do we react to all of this it's been kind of a long rant today but how do we react to all of this 
We can't take it personally. We can't take it personally. They're going to censor us more. They're going to block us, ban us, and, and attack us more. They're going to try to control uh, our message. They're going to tro- control the ministries. They're going to fight back against us more and more and more and more. Society's going to get worse and worse and worse. You think it's bad today? Just wait. It'll be worse next year. It's going to make it's going to make today look like Boy Scouts, and it's going to get worse. We were told keep the faith. Keep the faith. Nothing else. Keep the faith. Preach Christ. Hold to the cross. Forsake all. Follow him. Don't take it personally. They'll hate you because of me, Jesus says. They will hate you because of me. So don't take it personally. We don't need to defend God. As Charles Spurgeon says, the Bible is like a caged lion. Let it out. It'll defend itself. We don't need to defend the Bible. It defends itself. We don't have to try to prove the Bible. It is true. God's not the one on trial. God's not the one on trial. So how can we adjust our focus on all these things? Consider what's truly important. What actually does change everything? What changes everything? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Ignore everything else. It's going to get worse. We are Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. We've made it. We're here. We've arrived. (laughs) We're in the end of days. We've arrived. Don't let it shock you so much. As it is shocking, it is very shocking. It is very, very shocking. But the same attitude that Christ had walking the world How do you think God felt coming down into this world like this? We see in the Bible his reaction to sin, his wrath, his pure wrath, and how he hates it and he fights against it. And we see the judgment of hell. But yet how he tempered his speech. We see how it was. Could you imagine living in Rome in the first century? Could you imagine living in Rome? With all of its abomination and wickedness and and immorality and everything else that's going on. Could you imagine living in Rome as a Christian? How's that much different than today? Really? Honestly? How did the Christians in the early church handle it? They kept the faith. They kept the faith. No matter what happened, they kept the faith. That's why we have it today, because they kept the faith. The Lord, the Lord promised that the generation of the church will never pass away. The Christians cannot be wiped out. Even if, even if the enemy comes down and we see another inquisition, the faith will always remain. So we need the faithful. We need the faithful. Faithful to what Christ has said, to what Christ has, has brought forward, to the attitude of Christ. People who get distracted by this and forget the, the, the first calling, the first principles, they start changing everything physically to physical observance, to, to what they see. And they, they try to bring a heaven on earth. 
They want to wage crusades and all this. They want to make everything physical. That's not what the Word of God says. So, give this some thought. I hope I hope I made sense. <laughs> if I didn't make sense, I'm sorry, but just some thoughts, some things I just want to talk about. If you disagree with me, we can disagree. Absolutely. But I would love for you to show me from the Word of God how I'm wrong. If I am wrong, show me. Show me what the Bible says. Bring the scriptures. Because opinions are irrelevant. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts? Was it a long rant of nothing? Or what did you get from this? You see, biblical deliverance we see encompasses so much. Encompasses our thoughts regarding the, the, the ways of the enemy spiritually. And the ways of the enemy physically. Distractions. Distractions. That's all it is. The, the demonic activity, actual spiritual demonic activity, is nothing but distractions. That's all it is. And when the enemy works physically through society and everything else, and governmentally and educationally, all this, it's distractions. They're trying to distract people away from God. Distract the saints, distract the unsaved, distract the church. Get everything, everything focused on something else. Something else. It's a distraction. Don't get distracted. Keep the faith. Then when they jump into your vision with all of their craziness, everything that's going on, and all the, the conspiracy theories and government education and paganism, all that stuff, Ignore it. Ignore it. What does the word of God say? Well, but conspiracy theories, all this stuff, it's all, it's, it's important. Why? Why is it important? I heard a lot of people say, well, it's important. You should know what's going on. Why? But honestly, why? I don't understand why. What difference does it make? Is it going to rewind the tape and well, what when 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 was society ever actually properly biblical? What, when, when was there not some kind of societal corruption? When was there an actual, honest-to-God, Bible-believing, God-fearing government? What do you want to rewind the tape back to? Well, we have freedoms. Of what? There have always been freedoms of sin and corruption, abomination and everything. There's no true freedom and liberty of the outward it's freedom and liberty of sin of the flesh we want freedom and liberty of spirit of the gospel freedom from hell liberty of heaven not earth if you're trying to fight to retain and gain and preserve a kingdom on earth you don't understand the kingdom of god if you're trying trying to bring freedom and liberty on earth you don't understand the freedom and liberty of the Bible of heaven. 
if you're trying to br bring down a, 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 a holy government on earth uh, physically, you don't understand the government of God, of the word of God. It's of the inward, not the outward. My kingdom is not on earth. For if it were, then would my servants fight. So what are you fighting for? What are you fighting for? What are we here for? There's always going to be devils. There's always going to be devils. Devils in the government. Devils in the education. Devils in the science. Devils in everything. Devils in the philosophy. Devils in the church. They're always going to be everywhere. They're always going to be distracting and manipulating. But we need to hold the line. Keep the faith. What does it mean to be Christ-like? Christ-like what? Christ-like this. Christ-likeness of the Word of God. Of how he, the example He gave us. How He handled the distractions. The when the devils manifested during the ministry of Christ. How did He handle it? When the legalists and all the cults or whatever would come in to try, try to hinder and distract. How did He handle that? How did he handle uh, all of the issues and troubles and trials and things that came down the line? How did he handle it? To, to even, how did he handle when he was tortured? How did he handle it? When he, when he was arrested and imprisoned and judged, how did he handle it? We see Paul emulating that in his life too. It doesn't matter. What country you're in. It doesn't matter what society you're in. It doesn't matter what the laws of the land are wherever you are. It doesn't matter what color you are, what language you are, what nationality you are. It doesn't matter. Everything's a distraction. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. So we're here for one purpose, one purpose only. Everything else is a distraction. So how can we keep ourselves from getting distracted? Distractions happen when we're not fully paying attention to what is offered us as what is truly important. What Christ has offered us. You, you see it. Like when you're watching a show or whatever else, or you're listening to a song, how you're so focused in, you don't even notice what's going on, what's going on around you. You're so focused on what's on the screen, you don't even hear people talking. But when you're not really paying attention, and you're watching the show, listening to music or whatever else, you're seeing it, you're hearing it, but you're also looking, and you're also looking at other things, and you're looking around, and you listen to other people talk, and you kind of miss some words, you don't get the full picture. See, this is what the devils are trying to do with our walk with Christ. Distract us with everything and anything. They even make up stuff. They get you so focused on other things and arguing with other points and stuff like this. You get so focused on arguing about how we didn't evolve from monkeys that you completely forget to preach the gospel of Christ. So what if they want to believe that they evolved from rock monkeys or whatever it is? So what? They need to hear Jesus Christ. Does preaching we didn't evolve from rock monkeys going to save their soul? No. What's the matter? Preach Christ. For when they truly see 
Jesus Christ to see their sin and all this stuff. And they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God will teach them the rest. Well, sure, I'm, I'm not saying that this isn't important. It's not as important as the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about getting overly focused on other points and things. Politics. Well, sure, politics is important. But what does the Bible say about it? Biblical politics. Can you show me a political party that holds to true biblical standards? A true conservative party? Conservative on the word of God? Show me a conservative party that doesn't also equally support all kinds of other sins and abominations. Just say it. So we want to make sure that what we get focused on is truly biblical. Holding the line of keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. What are you fervent about? What are you zealous about? Make sure you're not getting distracted. Things are going to get worse, much worse. Watch your attitude. Don't get aggressive. Don't fight back. Don't war. We're not as much as we want to be, don't look at it as being like a rebel. We're not rebels. We're not anarchists. We're not crusaders. We're born again Christians, disciples of Jesus Christ. How did the disciples of Jesus Christ behave when they followed him when Jesus was walking this earth? What, what did Jesus say to the disciples that wanted to get a bit overly zealous you know not what spirit you're of maintain the temperance maintain the meekness maintain the focus if they are not against me then they're for me be careful what you get focused on what you're arguing and bickering about any with the unsaved they will not receive him should we call down hellfire you know not what spirit you're of he's come to save the world not destroy it He's come to save men's lives, not destroy them. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our first focus. Relationships, second. The gospel of Jesus Christ must be preached. So focus on this. So there's some thoughts. Any, any comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all, please, by all means, go ahead. Ask away. Be glad to hear from you. All right. And to back up just a little bit in the comments here, Purely says it just finished the Book of John playlist. Yeah, uh, I really enjoy every time we go through the Gospel of John. It's my favorite book of the Bible. I love the Gospel of John. I can never get enough of it. It's just going through it. Every time you go through it, you see something different every time. It, it just the, the, the way that John shows Jesus his character his personality his humor everything else i just i love the way that 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 that, that we that we see jesus in the gospel of john um it starts with talking about his deity and it goes through and how and the life and the ministry and the work and the conversations and everything how jesus is seen um if you really want to know more about the Christian faith, what it's all about, please go through the Gospel of John playlist. Uh, there's so much info there. And if you have any questions about it, please don't ever hesitate to ask. Be glad to hear from you. Um, and this is what it's all about. is Just as Jesus, when Jesus was here physically and we see the disciples following, 
that hasn't changed. We are meant to walk through this life, walk through our lives in our homes, in our yards, out and about, or wherever else, in the work, or whatever, to continue walking in the same manner as the disciples walked with Jesus in all, in all ways of uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, everything. The way they were with him, is, uh, when Jesus is here, is how we're supposed to be here. The question is, why would you not want to? Why would we want to change that? We, we literally, literally, virtually, literally, in every way, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And he is literally with us. We walk with him in all, in all aspects of life, just as they did back then. Jesus went to their homes. He went to their meals. He saw their families. And, and he spoke with them and ate with them and partied with them and everything. And joked with them, laughed with them, corrected them, instructed them. Same today. It's no different. It's no different. Don't get distracted. We see in Luke 9, uh, uh, where it's shown, it's demonstrated, the distractions that come up within Christianity and the distractions that come up uh, societally with the unsaved. And what, we see how the Lord corrects their view of it. He corrects their uh, their reaction to it. This is how we're supposed to react to it. Keeping in mind, our kingdom is not of this world. It's like an ambassador, an ambassador from one country, okay? Let's say an ambassador from, I don't know, pick a country, Germany. Let's say an ambassador from Germany comes over to your country. Or if you're from Germany, pick a different country. An ambassador from a different country comes to yours and tries to change your country to be like yours. That's not going to happen. The people aren't going to listen to the ambassador. They're going to maintain the ways of their kingdom. They have to change their citizenship and join your country if they, if they want what your country is about. We're ambassadors from another country, ambassadors from another kingdom, and we can't expect to change the kingdom of earth when we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Keep that in mind. We walk and talk and behave in all manner as befitting ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember this. It's going to get worse. Society's going to get worse. The distractions are going to get worse. The devils are going to get worse. Everything's going to get worse and worse and worse. We must remember what's truly important. We have to keep the faith, equip ourselves. Be strong. Now, how do we equip ourselves? In all prayer and thanksgiving. In all prayer and thanksgiving. Studying of the word. What does it say? Well, you got to read to find out. You got to study it. Just some thoughts there. Um, How long have we been going? An hour 47? Okay. And if there's nothing else, so I guess we'll wrap it up. But uh, the Q&As go on as long as there's involvement. So if you have any other comments, questions, anything else, please go ahead. Ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Now, um, as we talked about before, as you see here, Warhammer apologetics. Now, the point of this, as you see that the hammer is not ourselves. It's not our thinking, our behavior, our determination, or any of this. It's the Word of God. 
Is not my word as a fire and like a hammer that breaks the stone to pieces? It's not, it's not physical hammers. It's not our emotions, our determination. It's not, it's not our involvement. It's not through our power. It's through the spoken word of God. The word of God changes things. The word of God is what alters society and nations. The word of God convicts the heart and the soul. It's the word of God that that, that teaches and shows a person their need. It's the word of God that leads a person to Jesus Christ where they see and they believe and are saved. It's the word of God. It's not us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You want to try to change things? You want to change society? Preach Christ. Preach Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ fixes everything and anything. It doesn't matter who or what it is. If you want to affect something, if you want to affect change, preach Christ. If you want to delay the judgment and wrath of God, preach Christ. That's how it's done. You want a revival? Preach Christ. If you want to stay the wrath of God, preach Christ. That's what the word of God says. That's the only way we're going to ch- start seeing change. That's the only way we're going to affect change. It's the only way that we that we can handle the craziness that's coming down. This clown world, that is. The only way that we can handle it and keep our sanity is by believing and preaching Christ. If you don't, I swear, you will go insane. You will lose your mind. You'll get distracted. You'll go nuts. I'm telling you, that's what will happen. The devils will get in your life and your mind with so many distractions and everything else. They'll get you so wrapped up, so twisted up, you won't know which way is up and down. I'm telling you, that's what happens. Every time, I swear, I swear, every time I've ever seen it, and Christians, they get off on tangents, get off on hobby horses, and they get so focused on the things of this world, so focused on society, everything else that's going on in theories, conspiracy theories, everything else, they lose their minds. They literally go nuts. And furthermore, you never hear them preach the gospel of Christ ever again. Because it's, it's about everything else, all about the rabbit holes and everything else. They, they lose their minds. You want to keep your sanity? You want to maintain effectiveness for God where the Lord can use you? Stay on the gospel. Stay on the gospel. Stay on Jesus Christ. Stay on that. Nothing else is as important as this. I'm telling you. If you don't want to believe me, that's your choice. Go do, be, have, whatever you want. That's your choice. It's between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you, this is what the Lord has shown me, and show me from the Word of God how I'm wrong. Just some thoughts. Okay. Uh, Olga says, was the fish that swallowed Jonah a literal fish? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, and, uh, yeah, as he was cast overboard, it says, the Lord had prepared a giant fish. That swallowed him. That's that's literal. That's literally what happened there. How did he survive? He didn't. He died. He died. Uh, he didn't. He didn't live. See that that's a common uh, misunderstanding uh, that is brought by many professed Christians. Many people 
they, they believe or they're taught and they believe that Jonah survived, that he lived. No, no, he didn't live. He actually died. It says he cried out of Sheol. Sheol's the place of the dead. Yeah, Jonah died. They went in the water and then uh, the fish swallowed him and he died and he was he was dead because as as uh, as Jesus says, as Jonah in the belly of the whale for 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 three for, for three days as the son of men will men will be says Jonah was a was a picture a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. He he actually died. He, uh, Jonah died because it's a picture of Jesus Christ. Dying and being buried for three days, three nights, as that's what happened to Jonah, as Jesus says, no, no other, no other sign will be given you but but Jonah, as uh, because Jonah is a picture of what happened to him, and how he how he died and uh, he was brought back to life again. That's what it says. and no, Jonah and the whale is not figurative. It's literal. That, that everything that happened there actually happened. Uh, what Jonah did, what Jonah said, what actually happened was all literal. It, actually, it was all physical. It was a literal. It's a true story. The true live account. It's not just figurative. Um, it's the same as uh, what we see with Moses in Egypt. And all the things that happened there and the miracles and uh, how the Lord fought against Egypt and the plagues and stuff. Literal. The creation account of Genesis and how the Lord created all things, literal. And uh, we, we see with uh, Daniel Lion's Den, Shadok, Meshach, and Abednego, Elijah, so literal. Jo- uh, Joshua taking Canaan and, and the, the walls of Jericho, literal. The parting of the sea, the parting of the river Jordan, literal. Um, the, the manna uh, the, from God, the water from the rock, literal. It's actually actually have David and Goliath. All it's all literal. What it what it says, that which is that which is not literal, is shown as and is explained as, and we see it in Scripture, like the different things of certain stories or whatnot. There's certain language, uh, but uh, this is why we got to do studies of the Scriptures and not just take what someone else is saying. Do the study ourselves. Uh, for example, we see Jesus when he's teaching. We see him telling parables. And, you say, and it says, and he told them a parable. That That's a made-up story. A metaphorical, figurative language, whatever, to help get across an idea or something. But then we see, for example, when he's going through telling stories, and then he tells the story of there was a certain rich man, and there was a man named Lazarus. That wasn't a parable. There was an actual rich man and a man named Lazarus, and they both died and opened the eyes and after life. And we see the rich man opened his eyes in hell and screaming, please send Lazarus to dip his finger in water, cool my tongue. That's literal. It wasn't a parable. The rich man and Lazarus, literal. So yeah, and, and uh, this, this is why it's so important to do the study of this and not just try to interpret the Bible through the lens of men's codified opinions, what they think the Bible says. Read it for yourself. Do the study yourself. Look what it says. Look at the language. Do the word studies. Look what it says. Cross-reference. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Jonah is a true, 100% literal story. Of this actually happened. The actual historical account that actually happened. Jonah went there and we see how he tried to hide from God. And then God sent the storm and then... And then Jonah was cast overboard and the fish swallowed him up and swam him over to the shore of where Nineveh is and spat him up on the shore. That actually happened. 
And then he went into the city and he preached uh, the judgment of God and the, and the city repented and all this. And then afterwards, Jonah's all wallowing because he wanted the city destroyed and all this stuff. And then God showed him mercy and taught him this through the, uh, through the gourd thing and that how you care more for the gourd than you do the people. And then we see Jonah repenting himself of this and learning. All 100% uh, true story. Yeah. Um, okay, Olga says, when Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue, was that also a foreshadowing of what we will have to do to the Antichrist? Kind of. Um, kind of. Uh, we can we, we can see that. Yes, there's, see, in the Bible, there's interpretation and application. That the interpretation of the text, of what it's actually written about what it's actually saying who's actually there what's actually going on the direct uh contextual interpretation uh, what it says what it means but then there's applications of all scripture is is uh profitable is given by god uh where it can be applied to multiple different areas mentally physically spiritually circumstantially whatever so we see uh as nebuchadnezzar said you and how they handled that exactly what the government and what society brings down the line of whatever idol whatever statue whatever thing whatever thing they try to present we don't bow to that we only bow to what the lord has says and if they want to burn us and hate us censor us dox us oppress us arrest us or whatever let him. We serve the Lord. Whether it seem right unto you to obey you or not, we ought to obey God rather than men. It doesn't matter what they say. Well, if you don't, then this is what's going to happen. Okay. We serve God. I bow the knee only to one to one person, and that is the Lord. I only bow the knee to the Lord and the Lord's word. I only serve the Lord. I don't care anything else. Nothing else matters to me but the word of God and prayer, seeing souls saved. I only care about what the Lord says. So bring it. So yeah, we can apply the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, and the and the furnace, all that. We can that that is an application. So we see the application. So yeah. Um, Okay, Fever says, I read that the kingdom of God is for poor people. Uh, uh, no. Uh, no. Um, yeah, blessed are the poor, uh, but there's the poor in spirit, and we see the Lord also saying, the, the poor you shall always have with you. As the Lord says, this because society and the way things are going, the way they, uh, it's always been, there always be the rich, always be the poor. But the uh, we see as as the as the Lord came and he and he, how he treated the rich and treated the poor, he treated them as equals, and he helped those that had need. Is the, that's the point? Is we help those in need. Uh, what do the rich need? They need help in spiritual. They don't need help physically. They need help spiritually. The poor they need help physically and spiritually. Uh, as the Lord says, or what? Uh, what good does it do if you, if you say to the poor man, you know, uh, give him what is needful for the body, but not what is needful for the soul? How shall I help him? Uh, what does that do for him? So the kingdom of God is for anyone who will listen, anyone who will hear. It doesn't matter if they're rich. It doesn't matter if they're poor. God doesn't discriminate in that way. It's all people were made in the image of God. And God has made all the nations of the earth of one blood. And Jesus Christ came to save all souls. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is for anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter who they are. Uh, the, the Lord blesses and helps 
uh, all those who not all those who come to him so not just poor uh but for anyone and everyone uh it does uh, our our financial state and our and our physical material state is irrelevant because again uh, we don't look at things through the physical lens physicality materialism is irrelevant it does it, even if you had literally nothing like john the baptist the lord still provides he still makes a way but to trust him that he will but when we start focusing on the cupboard and not rather the hands of faith we got distracted you see how the devil's trying to distract well but, but, but my cupboards but my bank account, but, 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 but this that doesn't matter serve the lord fear the lord trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths he'll make a way don't focus on the physical don't focus on the material focus on the spiritual focus on the lord serving the lord and watch the lord prepare the way he will make the way well i don't know where to go all i see is rocks believe in the lord trust in the lord and he he will guide you with his eye he'll guide you in all things as he as he guided moses in the wilderness you don't think he can guide you through this life so as he helps serve serve and, and defend and fight and protect and teach and instruct all his disciples at time past you don't think he'll do for you so spiritual trust in the lord in the spiritual sense and don't pay attention to the distractions um so yeah yeah, his fever says, I'm happy Jesus came to this world as a poor man because he easily could have come as a rich. True. And he came poor to show us something. Just like I'm saying, it's not about the things of this world. Is it store not up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and thieves break through and steal, but store for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal is what truly matters what truly matters as the lord so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast cast into the oven how much more shall she clothe you but seek ye first the kingdom the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things what things whatsoever things you have need of and all these things shall be added unto you don't worry about it serve the lord don't worry about society serve the lord serve the lord in fear and trembling serve the lord in belief of faith serve the lord faithfully taking the faith seriously this is what it's all about there's there's so many distractions so many things in this world in, in our lives right now through technology entertainment society and everything everything is a distraction i'm not saying all these other things are not important what i'm saying is is that they are distractions from the spiritual because we get so taken up with technology we even begin to doubt the spiritual effectiveness and we start seeing the faith as more just religious observances we are so full and our cupboards are full what happens we hardly pray so you see what i mean forsake all i'm not saying that and it doesn't mean literally get rid of everything but to stop paying attention to it as something as important it doesn't matter the lord will look after you the lord provides 
The Lord makes a way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All hail King Jesus. That's all that matters. All right, Pierre says, does your family have a specific need today? How can we bless you? Well, (laughs) what, uh, prayer for me and my family, for Christian Coffee Time and our church, as we do see a lot of stuff coming in uh, uh, to affect, to trouble and try, and uh, prayer for my my family, my brothers, uh, and all this is that uh, hold close to the Lord, be convicted of the things of the Lord, that our church would uh, continue and flourish, that this ministry flourish, that's what I'd really appreciate, Um, for uh, support and uh, the Lord brings support for the work to be able to continue on. That's 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 all we uh, ask for in that way. I appreciate all your support and for your prayers. Your fellowship it means a lot. Uh, uh, so again, today I guess the topic of today's study would be distractions. Start looking at it that way start thinking about that start start seeing everything and asking yourself actually asking yourself is this a distraction is this distracting me from what is truly important and how am i reacting to it is this a distraction to me spiritually is this a distraction to me and how am i reacting to it make sure to maintain Christ-likeness. Not because you have to, because you'd want to. Why wouldn't you want to? Give it some thought. Okay. Uh, I, I got time for for this. I guess I'll have to be the last question here by Olga. Hope you don't mind, folks. Uh, Olga says, what do you do when people don't leave you alone to pray? Find somewhere else where they will. Uh, find another room. Turn off your phone. Or literally tell the people, leave me alone for a while. And I need I need some time. Or go, go drive to the beach. Drive out into the middle, middle of the country. Get away somewhere else. Find another room. Go somewhere. Or go for a drive. And just park somewhere in a parking lot. Sit in your car. You can find a place. Turn off your phone. Mute your notifications. Uh, Take steps, take actual steps to, uh, to get away, to, to get that alone time. So, um, what do I do? That's what I do. If, if it's continual distractions, I turn off my phone or go to a different room or go to the park or go somewhere else where no one else is. That's what I do. Um, if it's an emergency, they'll call back. It says, what if it's an emergency? There's always a million excuses. Oh, you shouldn't because in an emergency, something might happen. Something might, something might. Turn off your phone. The, the Lord will look after everything else. And so don't worry about it. Right? So yeah, there's a million reasons why not to. Beaver says, uh, why do I get bored every time I read the Bible? That That's just the enemy in the flesh. That's the enemy in the flesh. And... That they'll do everything and anything they can to try to hinder us from studying it. So what I do to combat that is read the Bible out loud. Read the Bible out loud. Watch what happens. Stop reading it just in your mind. Read it out loud. You don't have to shout it and scream, but just even quietly, just read it out loud. Watch what happens. So yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I thought praying in public is prohibited for Christians. No, maybe in some places in the world, but you can find a, a corner somewhere. You don't have to shout and scream your prayers. You can even whisper or whatever else or even pray silently. I just, the point is to get away from hindrances and distractions. You can go somewhere else. Um, how do you pray in the park? Sit down on a bench and talk with the Lord. You don't have to even pray out loud. You pray quietly. It, uh, but uh, the point is to do it. And ignore the, the fear of the flesh and the fear of man and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not praying like a Pharisee out there and you call on the... If you want to pray like that, you go right ahead. But uh, we see the Bible, Jesus says to pray, to pray in quiet, to pray in private, to not pray like the Pharisees. Uh, so, yeah, go find a place and sit down and talk with the Lord. Okay. And parks aren't always full of people. And if they are, go to a different park or go into a corner somewhere else. And just get away from everything and sit down where there's no, no personal distractions. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's some thoughts, some things I got to wrap this up here. So hope you don't mind folks. Um, yeah, so yesterday we weren't able to broadcast because huge internet, uh, uh, a shutdown across Canada, a lot of issues. I don't know exactly what was going on, but pro uh, big problems with some of the big tech, big companies, but what do we do when that happens? Continue to serve the Lord, find ways, serve them, uh, uh, pray, read your Bible, go do something. Um, so yeah, so whatever happens to come along whatever's going on is it a distraction how are you reacting to it is it a distraction how are you reacting to it so if you remember if this is the only thing you remember from this whole broadcast remember this is it a distraction how are you reacting to it give us some thought and how can you be more christ-like in this so there you go um so with that I got to wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. Uh, it's always fun doing these Q&As. I love the involvement. The more questions, the better. I love it. Unfortunately, I'm a little hindered today with time. I got stuff going on. So, but uh, I think we, we pretty much covered it enough. And uh, give us a rewatch. Share this around. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content. Uh, like I said, we've got a playlist covering a tons of different topics and stuff. And as well, check out our website, christiancompetime.ca. We've got links to all other platforms and goodies. And yeah, make sure you avail yourself to that. And with that, God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, folks, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.